Welcome, everybody. I'm Richard Krause. We're doing something just a little bit different this week on the show. Instead of having a panel in to argue about the big news in pop culture this week, I've got some very special guests from the band Whiskey Jack. I have Duncan Fremlin. He's the banjo player. Bob McNiven, the guitar player and vocalist. Jen Cook joining me. Nice to see you all. Hey, good Thank to be you here. For having us. And we're talking about lots of things. We're going to start off talking a little bit about how you came to be and how you all met and that sort of thing. I'll get to that in a second. But you did a lot of work with Stomp and Tom Connors. We and did. I saw you play with Stomp and Tom Connors more than once. And if you go to the store right now or go to, I guess now, wherever it is that you buy music, I'm not sure where that <laughs> is exactly anymore, but you will find. Uh, uh, Whiskey Jack and uh, Stompin' Tom Connors. There's Whiskey Jack Presents, the stories and songs of Stompin' Stompin' Tom, and uh, the Stompin' Tom Collector Series, Dr. Stompin' Tom A. And uh, these are both very close to all of you. But let's go way back to the 1970s, right? 1977 mm-hmm. is when you all came together. Not me. Not you. <laughs> I'm looking at you. Uh, I was maybe... I was nine years You're old. You're only then. ten years old, then. Yeah. Well, let's, start, let's start over here. Tell me about uh, wh- how you came together in the sort yeah. of the late seventies. My memory of the late seventies was listening to the Ramones and the Clash. Right. This is something a little different. But one of the things that I always thought was kind of cool, and this probably does not relate to you at all, but I'm going to throw it out there, is that the music that I was listening to, I listened to because it had uh, an honesty and an authenticity to it that I really liked. And when I sort of moved away from that, um, I. I started to discover bluegrass. I started to discover old-time country music that had a completely different sound, but had the authenticity that I was looking for. Yeah. And so tell me a little bit about the musical scene that you came out of in that time. It was a roots, uh, folky scene in the late 70s. Uh, the band started, I put a notice up at the old Folklore Center on Avenue Road <laughs> uh, asking for a, a mandolin player or somebody to play with, you know, and my friend John Hoffman ended up uh, calling and we've been basically together. We were on the road for 10 years after that and developed Whiskey Jack into who we are today. Uh, but in those days, it was very rootsy, very country. There wasn't the same boundaries between uh, categories that there are, uh, you know, that that, there, that happened later on. Mm-hmm. So, and, you know, three chords of bluegrass, folk, uh, accessible to everybody, heavy on the vocal. So, and also things were good in those days. There was a lot of work. So, you know, really, you, know, you could go out and play six-nighters, and yeah. after a month or two, you kind of have your chops together. Today, you can't do that. So, And plus, you could quit your job on a Monday go on the road Tuesday. If it didn't work out by Friday, you go back and get another job on Monday. I love that. Well, I was just in Halifax, and one of the things that I was so taken with in Halifax was that there's live music everywhere there. Unlike Toronto or unlike a lot of other places across the country, uh, you can go see live music and have your choice of, you know, a, a variety of different things almost every day of the week. And it's incredible music. Yeah, it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, Bob, how did you become it? So, at, at which point did you join on? In 1979, um, the uh, I answered an ad right. in the Toronto Star, basically. Duncan Place, I still have it to this day in a little box in my dresser, <laughs> actually. Um, Duncan placed an ad. They were looking for a guitar player. Right. And I was just leaving another band. And that was coming to a close, and I was looking for something. And uh, I, I, son of a gun, if they didn't hire me. <laughs> <laughs> and Jen, you came later. I came much later. Because you were just 10. Because I was time. just 10. I had a lot of other things to do <laughs> <laughs> leading up to that. I met these guys maybe 
three years ago I met Duncan. Uh, right. I was teaching voice and he came for some lessons and he said, hey, you should come on out, right. sing the band. And I didn't li- I'd only ever come from a musical theater background. Right. So I'm cabarets, jazz, a little blues. So I was like, I don't know about this bluegrass thing. <laughs> but we, uh, we had a couple goes and... Uh, and I loved the harmonies, and, and then that built into the Stomp and Tom, and it's just been such a great joy to experience it. You know? It's funny to become a piece of a big sort of machine that's been going for a long time. <laughs> yes, and we're a band of seven in yeah, total, and uh, s- six of them are guys. I am the only girl, so <laughs> it takes a certain kind of person. But see, what I think that means, though, is that when you're on the road, you absolutely get your own hotel room. This oh, is what, that, see, there's, there's see, bonuses there, right? See how my eyes light up when you say that? that I didn't realize that, we're, but that is all, a bonus. We're all very protective <laughs> yes, as well. Absolutely. Yes, no, there's many good things. Now, in 1977, when you were putting the ads out at the Folklore Center and things, were you making a living as a musician then? Is it possible? Like, was it possible at that point Absolute, to do that? Absolutely. I, I, in fact, uh, you could learn your chops in the early days. I, I've listened to some tapes, Richard. I know <laughs> how bad we were. But there was so much work you could. You know, you, we spent weeks in Schumacher, Ontario. There was a club up there called the Pearl Lake. Right. And they loved us. And we'd go up. And after two weeks of that, we'd come back and we're twice as good as we were and we can because that's right. all you did was play so you're talking six nights matinee on saturday it's sort of like the the beatles in hamburg they played for way more than that but if it wasn't for that you know who knows how quickly they would have developed as musicians well so. it's like that uh, malcolm gladwell idea that you have to do something yes. for ten thousand hours and he you before you get good at it and he uses the beatles as right. an example of that right and uh, you know those 12 hour sets in hamburg i suppose you know you learn a thing or two uh, what was it like traveling around uh, in those days, going to these small towns, playing legions probably in smaller no, clubs? No, mostly bars. Mostly bars. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. In fact, uh, I always call them uh, uh, back to your, uh, you, you sit with your back to the wall in these bars because they were, you know, they, and half of them were called the commercial hotel. That's right. Yeah, or the yeah. Dominion Hotel. Or the Queens. And you, the Queens. And, and, well, the Queens were a little better because the, yeah. the sandwiches weren't moldy. That's right. right. <laughs> but, you know, like the, or the Rock Cliff in Minden, which was the lowest of the low, that's about as bad as you you know, in those days, that's about as bad as it was. So you knew if you were playing the rock cliff, you had nowhere to go but up, kind of thing. But you know, we'd play for seven hundred dollars a week. There's four of us. We have, need right. a PA. Nobody provided PA in those days, and uh, so seven. We might come home with a hundred bucks. Yeah. But in seventy-seven or seventy-eight, hundred bucks went a lot further. Than yeah, you today. could do something with that. Yeah. 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 I think my first Toronto apartment. It was in 1980 or 81, and I split the rent and my rent with one other guy, with my brother, and it was 70. I paid 75 bucks. Right. So you could do something with 100 bucks in those days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, what kind? You were playing bluegrass. You were playing all sorts of different uh, styles. You know, they often say all you need is three chords and the truth. Does that kind of uh, ring a bell? I think so. I think so. Uh, Like in our case, we had our influences weren't. You know, we weren't hillbillies, on, yeah. on any most of us came from John, our uh, my, the the guy who started the band with, came from big band and theater, and so his his influence was so when 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 we'd range harmonies, our harmonies were not traditional uh, sort of bluegrass or folk harmonies. They were a little more complex, and as a result, our material was more complex, and as a result, we were alienated from the bluegrass community, right. and so we never really became part of the bluegrass community. We became part of the country music community. Mm-hmm. And then next thing you know, we get a, a call from the Tommy Hunter show to audition.
audition for that show, and our life changed dramatically, right? And I have to ask you about that. I just want to let people know where I'm speaking with uh, members of Whiskey Jack. And Whiskey Jack, you, there's four critically acclaimed recordings, nationally charted radio hits, uh, country music award nominations, uh, and you've got some very special stuff coming up. Stompin' Tom Connors was someone that you worked with uh, for a long time. Uh, late, a little later on this month, and you can find the uh, all the details in your local listings at the Lula Lounge in Toronto. Uh, the Toronto premiere of Whiskey Jack presents stories and songs of Stompin' Tom, uh, and it will also... Uh, commemorate the re-release of Dr. Stompin' Tom A. So there's lots coming up here. We'll get to all that in a sec. Uh, Tommy Hunter, let me ramble, ramble my <laughs> life away. When I was a kid, you listen, you watched Tommy Hunter because it was Friday nights at probably eight o'clock, I think probably eight o'clock, eight yep. o'clock and, and, uh, there was nothing else on and you were typically speaking, <laughs> waiting for Columbo to start at nine, but I would watch, I would watch Tommy Hunter, the country gentleman. And, and to be on that show at that point was a really big deal. So you made it to the Tommy Hunter show. Were you there at this yeah, point, Bob? Yeah, okay. yeah, I was. So tell me about the Tommy Hunter show. Was, hair tuck, we tucked up in his hat, by the way. Don't forget to tell them that. Which? The long hair tucked up oh. in your hat. <laughs> <laughs> it was the late 70s or yeah. the early 80s. Uh, it, as the story goes, I had a ponytail. Yeah. And I kept thinking the whole time, okay, when are they going to ask me to cut it? Right. Cut my hair, cut my hair, cut my hair. And finally, uh, Les Puglio, the producer... Just before kind we're, of legendary we're in the dressing yeah. room, yeah. Yeah. we're getting ready to go on for our first time. Les walks into the dressing room and walks up to me and says, here's your hat. <laughs> Didn't ask me to cut my hair, just asked me to wear a hat. Just tuck it up under there? I was there. good with that. So, <laughs> and no. what happened to the, the band after that? So you appear on that show. Uh, it, it was, you know, that show had kind of a captive audience. I mean, if you were home on a Friday night, you were probably watching Tommy Hunter Oh, we point. got calls to do Alan Thicke. We, got, yeah. we were on the Nashville, and all of a sudden, we were on... Uh, there was a McLean show in the afternoon. I, what was his first name? CBC Afternoon Show. Not Elwood, Glo not Elwood Glover, but one like that. Yeah. And uh, we were on with the Friendly Giant, and <laughs> like they, our, lives, <laughs> our lives changed at that. Honestly, yeah. it was just like that, Richard. Just as soon as we got that show, we were legitimate, and we started. Our audience grew. It doubled like overnight. It was incredible. And then we traveled. We get recognized. Bob especially. He had a very uh, uh, noticeable Hat. look about him, you know. The, <laughs> and uh, and so we'd be in a McDonald's somewhere, and somebody come up and say, "Oh, I saw you on the Hunter Show." Or so our lives changed dramatically. Uh, were you nervous? Other than the hair, oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. First time on TV and all that stuff. There was a lot on the line, you know, for a bunch of kids. But just like what Duncan was talking about, being recognized. It really spoke to me when we were down in Nashville and somebody recognized us on the street in Nashville. Yeah. I thought, wow, <laughs> this, you know, holy cow, people are watching. Yeah, yeah, you know? people were watching. And uh, do you remember what you played? Uh, oh, well, there the were, we, we would go in and record seven shows mm. at a time. So really? our segment was called The Old Back Porch. Yeah. We come out, we do a verse and a chorus and a verse of a song. We And then we knock on the old back porch and, and Grandpa Jones or... A comedy or, act. Yeah, yeah a out. comedy act would come out. They'd do a, a minute or two. Sort of like and, hee haw, like imagine kind yeah, of like hee haw, that, that sort of thing. Yeah, 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 maybe, yeah. maybe a little more... Uh, a little more. Thank you. <laughs> I, I, I was, I was, can we quote you yeah. on that? <laughs> yeah. And uh, and then uh, then we'd end it with a little you know another phrase from the song and stuff. So we could do 
you know, we could do se- sometimes we do seven shows in a night, and right. so we only it didn't interrupt our touring <laughs> hardly at all. We'd go in maybe four or five times a a year and hang out with Al Journey and all the guys back backstage, and then go on on our merry way and get paid as though we were there every week. It was amazing. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Whiskey Jack, and we're going to talk all about Stomp and Tom Connor. Stay with. Welcome us. back, everybody. I'm Richard Kraus in studio. I have Duncan Fremlin, the banjo player of Whiskey Jack, with him Bob McNiven, the guitar player. They've been together for decades. The newcomer of the group is Jen Cook. Not really all that new. The singer, you've been there for three years now. Uh, And there's some very special stuff happening with Whiskey Jack. Uh, Apart from having a storied career, and we're sort of working our way through that, working with Tommy Hunter and and Canadian legends and touring the country from top to bottom and side to side, uh, they did a lot of work with Stompin' Tom Connors. And just now, uh, you'll be able to find Whiskey Jack Presents Stories and Songs of Stompin' Tom, and there's a re-release of Dr. Stompin' Tom A, uh, which is one of the legendary uh, CDs and or albums, I guess, of Stompin' Tom. Uh, at the Lula Lounge, the Toronto premiere of Whiskey Jack Presents Stories and Songs of Stompin' Tom uh, will happen on October 19th. It will also mark the re-release of Stompin' Tom A. Uh, and then there's going to be a tour. You're going to tell stories about working with Stompin' Tom. There's a lot of coming up, but we're not quite there yet. We're going to get <laughs> there, so but we're excited, not Richard. quite there really yet. <laughs> it is pretty exciting. So, uh, so Tommy Hunter makes you stars. You're actually working. So no more day jobs after that, right? <laughs> well, we, we've been on the road for three or three right. or four years at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what happens after that? So you can tape, I mean, I would have thought that you were there every Friday night. Nope, you were taping seven or eight shows and just, yeah. were you just road rats at that point? Pretty much. Yeah. Yes. Pretty, yeah. Uh, yeah. And then, uh, you know, we would do uh, uh, six, not not as many six-nighters in those days. Uh, the bar scene changed quite dramatically in the early 80s, if you yeah. recall, and, and all of a sudden it was three-nighters or soft-seaters. We did a lot of theater stuff, and we got all the major festivals, but that was summertime stuff. And then, you know, in those days you'd have to, I guess even today you still have to rely on the corporate you know, the corporate dates. So we used to get up at three in the morning and do the home hardware breakfast once a year, you know, that kind of thing. So, but then you roll around in all the money afterwards. So. Oh, boy, I'll tell you. How many houses did we buy, Bob? I can't even remember now. <laughs> and and has the, the idea of the kind of music that you've uh, played from those moments when you got a lot of exposure on Tommy Hunter and then playing live so much afterwards, did the music change at all for you? I don't think so. I, no. I think that, in fact, I'm going to I'm going to go on a limb here and say that was part of our problem. Uh, I, I think <laughs> no, you know, it, we were really hard to. You know, we were talking about branding earlier. Yeah. It was really hard for buyers and agents to brand us because we played a little bit of everything. We were acoustic, and yet we we were more famous in the country music community than mm-hmm. we were in the bluegrass community because of the Hunter Show. Right. So we'd go into the Country Music Association uh, conventions every year, and we'd be we'd know all these people, and we'd see them at the festivals and stuff. But agents had a hard time identifying who we are. In fact, I would say since we started doing the Stomp and Tom stuff, this is really the first time the band has had a real specific identity, right. and it's been so easy, to, uh, much easier to sell this. Well, uh, good that you've uh, caught on to that uh, almost 40 years after forming. <laughs> Took a while, eh? <laughs> Slow learners. Uh, so Stompin' Tom comes into your life. How does that happen? I get a call from uh, uh, Anne Murray's manager was Leonard Rambo, and his right-hand person was a woman named Tinty Moffat, who I knew. 
And Tinty received a call in 1989 or 90 saying Stomp and Tom was coming back. Because he had been away for a while. 13 see, years. Yeah, yeah, at this point, yeah. to sort of set the stage a little bit, yeah. Stompin' had had all the hits that we know. Bud the yep. Spud and, yep. you know. Junos. All, all that Junos, the whole thing. And had, by times, been kind of a controversial figure, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, both on stage and off. But I think, you know, his some of his ideas about, um, you know, his proudly Canadian ideas hadn't gone down well with the Juno people. And I think he actually at one point gave some Junos back. or he, All of them. Gave all of them. them. There's a great picture of him throwing his Junos in an old cardboard box. Seriously? <laughs> he tapes it up, <laughs> addresses it, and puts it in the mail, and he says, you can have your Junos. And, you know, the dispute always was about Canadian content. Here he was, uh, I think the story is he was headlining the CNE, and then a week or two before the show, he discovers that, I think it's Charlie Pride, was hired, and so Tom went from being number one to number two, and, you know, he was always can This was before CanCon. Mm-hmm. This was before CRTC gave us CanCon. So he was just a man of principle like nobody else. I mean, this he had principles, and he stood behind them. And so that was it. He just went off the road, and everybody thought, oh, you're going to come back, but 13 years later. And so in that 13 years... Uh, some people, I suppose, forgot about him. I don't know. But a lot of people that you might be a little bit surprised about, certainly a lot of people in my circle, all of a sudden started talking about Stomp and Tom when he came back. I remember Dave Bedini from the Rio yes. Statics being yeah. a big booster. I remember that a lot of us who had grown up listening to uh, music that, that, uh, was a little different than Stomp and Tom. Like if we'd listened to the Ramones or the Clash or in any Elvis Costello, things like that. That's kind of what the music I was reared on. Stomp and Tom didn't really fit that mold, although I'm from the East Coast. So I knew the songs. And I mean, it's sort of unavoidable. If you live down <laughs> yeah. there, you're going to know that. Uh, but um, all of a sudden, we started to sort of reappreciate that music and the pureness of it and the sort of and the 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 interesting character that Stomp and Tom was there, and how proudly Canadian he was at a moment uh, through a time when when acts were trying not to be Canadian I think there were other things going on in the country at this time though don't forget this was 89 or 90 we were in the midst of a Meech Lake debate the country yeah. was divided free trade debate was underway Mulroney was uh, Tom had no love for Mulroney and used to talk from the stage about uh, about his policies of selling out to the states. Mm-hmm. Where Tom was an east-west guy, Mulroney was north-south, and they just did not see eye to eye on this. So all of this was going on when Tom hit the stage in 1990. And I remember watching the audience, and some of these we'd go into small towns and ravaged by by you know uh, industry leaving town and they're unemployed and they scrounged up enough money to come because they thought Tom had come back to save the country. Right. So it's incredibly emotional. So there was more to Tom at that time than just, you know, Peter Zosky from CBC begged him to come back mm-hmm. because of what he stood for. And we needed a unifying voice at that time. And Tom was the obvious one. We're going to come back uh, in just a little while after the commercial, and we'll talk more about Stomp and Tom. Jen, just before we go, we've got 30, 40 seconds. You weren't with the band at that point. No, um, were you aware of Stomp and Tom? Did you know about him? Absolutely. I grew up on CBC. That's all we yeah. had. I grew up in deep northern Ontario, and that's all there was. And yeah. uh, so the Tommy Hunter show and Stomp and Tom was everywhere. I mean, I didn't have a full appreciation again because I was a little more of a theater kid, um, but have really grown to love and really uh, Truly appreciate what he offers on so many fronts. It took me a little while to embrace it fully, but after I saw him live for the first time, 
couldn't get enough of it. I mean, live, uh, those shows were amazing. Mm. And uh, when we come back, we'll talk all about that because you were there for those shows. Stay with us, everybody. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Richard Krause. In studio, we have... Bob McNiven, the guitar player for Whiskey Jack. Uh, nice to see you, Bob. <laughs> you don't have a long, freaky hairdo anymore. No, so uh, anymore. I don't recognize you from the Tommy Hunter show when we used to see you there. Uh, Duncan Fremlin is also here, the banjo player for the band and one of the founding members of the band, and Jen Cook, vocalist. And you will be able to see Whiskey Jack touring the country. Check your local listings for a, a, a place near you where you can go see them. Uh, and uh, as they pay tribute to Stompin' Tom Connors. And you will play the music. You will tell stories. It sounds like an intimate, kind of almost like a theater show uh, with uh, some really great music. You do know that Tom is looking. We, we feel Tom is looking over our shoulder. <laughs> Throughout the entire show, yeah. so there has to we have to keep it real, Richard, or yeah. he's gonna let us know one way. We play audio of him. Uh, I have some audio tapes that I recorded back in the days when we were touring with him, and uh, so I've taken some snippets. And so he inter- actually introduces some of the songs, and he tells the audience how great Whiskey Jack is. So we play that <laughs> once in a while too. <laughs> and Bob, so uh, we've heard from Duncan about all this. What was your take when you first get the call from Stomp and Tom? From Tom. I well, I couldn't believe it, to be honest. Yeah. It was incredible. I, I had, uh, I had liked Stomp and Tom a lot, but I, I hadn't listened a mm-hmm. lot, and I was paying more attention to other acts at the time, yeah. you know. And uh, when we got the call, it was like, wow, what? Like, how is this going to play out? It was mind-boggling, you know. Um, but it, uh, it, as it turned out, it uh, it was working, and we seemed to fit in way better than I thought we would. Did you expect the response from audiences? Because he had been away for 13 years at this point. It was 1989, 1990. Did you expect people to come out in droves? I mean, the shows that I saw at Massey Hall and at an arena in Bridgewater, Nova Scotia, were uh, packed and packed full of people who, some of which you know weren't old enough to have appreciated it the first time around. Yeah, again, I don't know if you were reading the newspapers in 89 or 90, but this guy had a way of getting in the news without really trying. At least it seemed (laughs) like he wasn't trying. And there was such a buildup to this tour. I'm talking about the 1990 tour. There was such a buildup. The very first show in Owen Sound, McLean's Magazine, Toronto Star, newspapers across the country were trying to get to him. And it's just a little auditorium in Owen Sound just off the road from his house is where he started the tour. 75 dates. The attention. So, no, I knew it was going to be a charged tour right from the get-go, and it just got more charged the further west we went. Now, you mentioned in the last segment that, you know, Tom is going to be looking over your shoulder as you do these these Whiskey Jack shows and tribute to him uh, and making sure that you keep it real. My limited experience of being in his presence is limited to one night uh, at, a, at a book launch or a record launch. Quite honestly, I don't remember. It was probably for the book, though, and it was at a, a bar and restaurant in downtown Toronto, and someone came and asked him for an autograph and, and a stomp, something stomped on that would have an autograph on it, because, of course, Stompin' Tom Connors was famous for the foot mm-hmm. and stomping. And did you could you feel the vibrations on stage from him stomping? Especially some songs, they 
Bob. The, oh, yeah. uh, like, uh, uh, he always started every show with Bud the Spud. Right. And at the end of the third verse, he'd slow it down to a... And every and every every beat, he'd just get that boot. And you could... I mean, the whole audience, by the time he finished stomping that song, <laughs> the whole audience was pumped right in the palm of his hand. So it was an aggressive act. There's no question about it. And by, so, the, by the end of the night, he'd have a hole in the yeah, no, piece exactly. of plywood. Yeah, so he'd know? put a piece of plywood down. So I'm at this party, and someone says, hey, I want something that you've stomped on that would be autographed. And we're looking around, there's nothing really. I mean, we're at a pretty nice place, and, and there's nothing really. So he sees that under one of the chairs, the bottom of the chair has come loose a little bit. So he just kicks it, stomps it off, stomps on it a few times, and autographs <laughs> it. And whoever it was that asked for it uh, didn't bother to take it with him or forgot or something left behind, and now I have it. Right. I made sure that it left with me, so I have a little piece of Canadiana oh, with cool. me. They auctioned uh, off the board after the 1990 tour. Right. They got five grand for it. Is that right? Yeah. Well, you know, the, the thing about him is that you talk about his authenticity. You talk about the realness. I mean, people, I think, maybe at some points in his career thought that he wrote novelty songs, Bud the Spud, things like that. Uh, but there was more to him than that. And there was an authenticity. He was a man of principles, right? Like nobody, I don't know if there's a Canadian anywhere really who walked the walk like he did. He, he, he compromised thir his 13 of the best years yeah. of his life for a principle. I mean, who, <laughs> I don't know any other Canadian who would do that. Yeah. And we just admired him more and more for it. But he, he paid a huge price for that. He continued to pay the price later on because we'd, you know, we'd go into a town like Thunder Bay and, and, Bob and I would want to go into a local radio station and have an interview, which is what you do when you're on tour. Yeah. Many of them would say, we're not having, no, we're not having anything to do with Stompin' Tom. Mm -hmm. Wow. Because he, they thought he, they, they disagreed with his, with his, uh, his point of view. Yeah, yeah. And uh, didn't like the stand he took. And frankly, many of them didn't take his music seriously. You know, th like you said, the novelty songs. But mm -hmm. we, we know from playing with them all those years, the novelty songs were just a, a drop in the bucket. There were there have been so many. I mean, if, if you listen to our CD, uh, we've recorded four or five of his songs that are quite serious and beautiful melodies. Bob sings one, uh, a, just a beautiful love song that he recorded. And so there's a many sides to this man. I think in the years to come, Richard, I think in 5, 10, 15, 20 years, you know, he's going to be our Robbie Burns. He's going to be a Canadian a personality that the country will embrace. We'll have. A, we need a holiday. That's what we need. Well, he's got a stamp. He's got a. Stamp. He's got a stamp. Yeah. So the, you yeah. know, things Tom are. Tom's got a stamp. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Have you got one? I don't have no. one yet. Uh, I do yet. not have one. Exactly. No, I don't have a stamp. I'm unlikely to ever get a stamp. Yeah. Uh, Bob, what what is your what are your remembrances of him uh, backstage before he'd go on stage? Oh, backstage, mm -hmm. just you know, kind of sitting around with the boys, yeah, talking that kind of thing. And usually we had a guest fiddler. A lot of times with Graham Townsend would play with us. And um, it was a lot of camaraderie, talking, moosehead beer. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of Tom smoking cigarettes. That, <laughs> Export that A's, right? Yeah. Export A's cigarettes, I remember that. And, you know, there's just something that when I think about uh, a couple of months ago and the, the Tragically Hip and the last show that, that they showed on the CBC and the reaction uh, from crowds, you know, because so many people, I think if you would ask them, you know, are you a huge Tragically Hip fan? Some people would have said, yes, I am. But I think a lot of people would have said, I don't know, maybe I know a couple of songs. But I think like Stomp and Tom, when you see 
Gord Downey out there performing in the way that he did, there's something undeniably stirring about it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Downey for different reasons, I think, but the passion that he brings with it, the Canadianness, the unabashed proud Canadian uh, in him uh, in performing uh, reminded me of sort of seeing Stomp and Tom out there uh, doing his thing. It's a rare thing, isn't mm-hmm. it? It's a, it just, there aren't many characters like that in not just the music industry, but in the arts in general. Yeah, Margaret, yeah. you know, Margaret Atwood yeah, in, the, yeah. in the book. Uh, but it's, yeah. Now, Jen, uh, what stories have you heard? Because you weren't there for this, I'm gonna, I'll bring you in here. What stories have you heard that you can tell us? Oh, and then I'm going to ask dear. the guys the same thing on the other side of the commercial. Which one shall uh, I pick? Let's the key phrase is that you can tell us. Yeah, that that's the tell. thing. Yes. Um, well, I like the one where they they had to carry. They told Duncan tells a story where they have to bring you know, cases and cases of Moosehead. So they would back up the truck to the beer store and unload these, like, when they were going on tour, these uh, cases of Moosehead, which always had to be room temperature, which I can't even vaguely really? imagine. That's a Stomp and Tom thing? That's a Stomp oh, yeah. and Tom thing, yep. And uh, it, there's, at one point, there's a case about to fall off. I can't remember how this goes completely, because I'm usually talking to the band while Duncan's <laughs> telling the story. <laughs> It's about to evolve, and no matter what, someone catches the case of beer and stomp. Of course, you know, that's the way it goes. Well, you, you, so. you, you, Stomp and Tom, I think, would be upset by a case of broken beer uh, <laughs> yes. just before he goes on stage. I'm speaking with the members of Whiskey Jack. Uh, they, are, of course, are artists on their own right, but they played with Stomp and Tom Connors for a long time, and now they are coming back uh, and paying tribute to their former boss, former co-worker. Let's say Canadian legend Stomp and Tom, uh, with Whiskey Jack presents stories and songs of Stomp and Tom. Uh, the launch is on October nineteenth, and then you're going across the country. Is that right? Well, we're going across the province, and mm-hmm. uh, hopefully someday we can take this show on the road into uh, the Netherlands of the country. But uh, right now we're just touring Ontario. We're planning on going to the Maritimes for July first in two thousand seventeen. I'm yeah. sure. I'm sure we're so excited, and hopefully in a few weeks we'll be able to announce a big big July 1st show down there. So, When we come back on the other side of the commercial, more stories about Stompin' Tom. Stay with us. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Richard Krause. Whiskey Jack is in studio with me. We have Duncan Fremlin, Bob McNiven, and Jen Cook. Uh, they've been together for a long time. Jen is the, the newish member <laughs> of the band at three years. You're like the Ronnie Wood of yeah. Whiskey Jack. You know, you'll always be the new one. <laughs> no matter the twi- <laughs> 15 years from now, oh, the new member of the band here, Jen Cook. Um, and you have a tribute to Stompin' Tom. Whiskey Jack presents stories and songs of Stompin' Tom, which will tour across Ontario, uh, probably down to the East Coast a little bit uh, next year. But it's a it's a show that pays tribute to someone that you played with for a long time. Uh, Jen, what is, uh, you're, you're singing, are you singing the Stompin' Tom songs? I am singing the you Stompin' are. Tom songs. What yes, songs, what songs are you singing? Uh, boy, oh boy. I get to sing well, Margot's Cargo, which yeah. at the beginning, I never ever imagined that would be my song, right. but I have so much fun. It's yeah. such a hilarious story. Yeah, and it's such a good a... sing-along chorus as well. Absolutely, <laughs> although lots of times they're just staring at me. <laughs> <laughs> Stunned, I'm sure. <laughs> um, what else do I say? I get to sing a great song uh, by Ian Tyson. It's right. not a Stompin' Tom song, but Stompin' Tom really encouraged so much of Canadian music, yeah. obviously, in his patriotism. And so I get to sing this song called Someday Soon by Ian Tyson. I sing a lot of harmonies. 
other songs, Duncan? I can't think of them. Uh, no, I just no, I just don't have them. Oh, Winter's Night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I am the Wind. But, I am the Postman. Wind. Yes. Oh, right. Yeah. French song. So oh, yes. uh, Tom's wife Lena, in the past, well, we used to go out and do the the birthday parties and the and the barbecues and stuff. He'd right. call me and say, "Do you want to bring the band out?" And of course, we we did that. To PEI? No, no, to Tom's house. Oh, to Tom's house. Yeah, yeah. in Georgetown. In Georgetown. Yeah. And so, uh, and every time we did that, Tom and the, they had a song. Tom and Lena had a song. It was called the French song, Lucille Star French song, <laughs> right. kind of a classic Canadian song. Many of the listeners know that song. And Jen and, and Lena sang that. Uh, uh, Lena comes yeah. out to the show, Tom's wife. Yeah. And uh, and so, yeah, it's... Uh, it was so special. Uh, At the, we did a Stomp and Tom celebration for his birthday, right. his 80th birthday last year. And uh, and Lena came out and we got to sing it together. It was just really so emotional. Yeah. You oh, know? a lot of tears in the audience that night. Yeah, Powerful yeah. night. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So she's I, a lovely I, lady. I got to say, Tom's family has been incredibly supportive yeah. about yeah. it. Just really stellar. Can't say enough. Well, it's 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 interesting because uh, the the tour really was 1990, 92. You played that was the in, comeback tour. That was the, the comeback tour. tour. 93 was the tour of Whiskey Jack. Mm-hmm. I brought Whiskey Jack on the on tour with 90, uh, right. 93. Yeah. And when did Tom pass away? Uh, 2014, 2000, March 2014. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. just a, a, a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, so let's get down to the dirt. Yeah. I want to hear some stories about Stompin' Tom. We've got eight minutes left. Okay. I'll, I'll tell you, I love this story because it says everything you need to know about Tom the man, not just Tom the man, but Tom the man in the country too. Right. So picture this. We're, uh, the very first show we did on the tour in 1993 was Canada Day, Parliament Hill, in front of, if you've ever been there, uh, 200,000, I don't yeah, know, just yeah. humanity as far as you can see. So... Broadcast coast to coast in the CBC. We arrived early that morning. Actually, we arrived the night before. Stayed in a, a, a awful motel in the outskirts of town, which is which is what we had to do with Tom because he had to. You have to back. There's so many stories that go into this, but you back the truck up. He has to be able to back back the truck up to his room. So none of this five star <laughs> stuff. And what? Why is that? Well, par- I think partially privacy, partially access. He no no worry about the hat. No worry about anybody. Right, because he would never people. be seen without the hat. That's right. Okay. So it just can you know control the the right. the, the, the situation. So uh, the 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 day of the show, uh, we uh, we go there in the uh, midday. And they set us up in the Confederation Room. If you know Parliament Hill at all, it's this big 45-foot, 25-wide, 25-foot ceilings, this big committee room, marble table, huge chair. So picture Tom sitting there with a a cooler of golden to his left, (laughs) an ashtray the size of a... A turtle in front of him. Pierre Trudeau's old ashtray, probably. Yeah, that, yeah. there you go. <laughs> I'll add that. That's probably not true. But. <laughs> and uh, and of course, no smoking on Parliament Hill. I mean, no smoking, yeah. no drink. I mean, this is a this this these are hallowed halls. Yeah. Who else could get away with this? And here we are, Tom and his band of merry musicians, <laughs> sitting around smoking and drinking and having a great old time. And then they call us and we go on stage and we're playing in front of. You know all these people, coast to coast, and and the and the first song we did was it's Canada Day up Canada Way, yeah. and then the second song we do now. What, uh, I'm sure your listeners will remember why 1993 was such an important year for Canadian hockey. It's because this is the last year a Canadian team won the Stanley right. Cup. So the, the Habs had just beat L.A., and Tom did not know this, but when we were singing the hockey song in the middle of the song, 
they wheeled the Stanley Cup out on stage. <laughs> wow, And he was cool. dumbfounded. The band just kept vamping on the E, you know, as, yeah. we, as we want to do. And Tom goes over and grabs the Stanley Cup, throws it above his head. And, I mean, at the time, I, I thought, oh, this is, I mean, this is going down. Like, the cup's heavy. It's going to, he's just going <laughs> to fall. It never happened. But at that moment, I thought, oh, no, this could really go wrong. But <laughs> after all the beer in the uh, Confederation room, right? That's but like it, uh, Willie Nelson smoking a joint at the White House. Yeah. You were, yeah. No, classic Stomp stuff. Stomping Tom right? drinking golden that's <laughs> parliament that's awesome. who else could get away with this right <laughs> and i saw uh, you guys and stomp and tom at uh, a place in bridgewater nova scotia a, a, a it was an arena uh i don't it was probably during the summer i remember it being quite hot i remember it being packed with people that were beyond excited to be there and it was just a great show and you know of the the times that i saw uh that that tour, because I think I saw it two or three times. Uh, seeing Stompin' Tom in Bridgewater, Nova Scotia, it seemed like perfect to me. It seemed like the, the ideal place uh, to see him. But you had mentioned to me when I mentioned this off mic to you uh, that it was an arena and, you know, there were certain things that came along with that, like walking to the stage and you had to kind of walk near people who might try and grab it, Tom, and he didn't I, like that. I remember one time, I'll bet we spent an hour working on the route from the dressing room, which was a hockey dressing room, yeah, right? Yeah. Nothing sophisticated here. So having to get from the hockey dressing room to the stage without having anybody over top of him. So they, he was worried that people would reach down and borrow his hat or something. And <laughs> so it was, we spent an hour one night, one afternoon trying to figure this out and finally got it all figured out. We had boards spread out over seats and stuff. So we could, <laughs> it just, it was, it was crazy, but you know, he had a very particular way as to how he wanted it done. And that's just the way it was. Bob, were you part of these shenanigans? Yeah. Figuring well, out the, yeah. the hat route. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, like Duncan says, all around the arena trying to get there just just to keep out of arm's length. Right. Wanted, you know, it was okay to be seen yeah. and, and that kind of thing, you know, but not within arm's length, within reach. And and what were the audiences like? They were, I mean, the, I remember the Bridgewater audience, as I said, beyond excited to be there. But what was the, what do you remember about I, the audiences? Here's my memory, I got to tell you. The thing that blew my mind when we first stepped on stage with Tom, I look out and down right in front, you know, the mosh pit in yeah, front, yeah. down in front, standing, on the left-hand side are about five or six college young guys with Stomp and Tom for Prime Minister <laughs> yeah, t-shirts. Yeah, I remember on. those, yeah, yeah, yeah. And right next to them are a couple of, at the time, ladies that looked like my grandmother <laughs> were standing there looking at Tom and crying. Wow. Because they've seen him in the day. Next to them is a young guy with his little baby pointing at Tom and going, listen to the, you know, <laughs> it, this everything. It, the whole, the crowd was everything. It blew my mind. It wasn't just one segment, you know, it was everybody. Uh, such a memory. And Duncan, what do you think is the legacy of Stomp and Tom? The, the principles, I mean, the, the, the fact, you know, the fact that he was so true to his beliefs and he, he suffered uh, seriously as a result of them. And, and I, again, I, I think that's what we're going to remember 10 or 20 years from now. Certainly the songs and, and whatnot will, will, will keep that going. But it, it, there's, there's just not a man who had principles like him. And Bob, what's your main memory of him? Of him? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we were part of being in the band was uh, in the contract was one of the band. Tom was Tom was a night owl. He did not sleep very much at all. Really? And after the show, he was like 
wide awake and totally up and would stay up until all hours, five, six, seven o'clock in the morning. Wow. Part of the contract was that one of the band members had to stay up with no. him. So the, mem <laughs> the memory I have is I took the opportunity to bring my guitar with me right. and just sit down and play songs with him all night long because he knew a gazillion yeah. songs by everybody. Really well-rounded guy in his musical knowledge. Um, or you could play chess with him all night. He had invented a system where if you told him, if you asked him what day was um, June 14th, 1875, and he would tell you it was a Tuesday. He had like a mathematical way of figuring it out that he had done. It's like he was a brainer. <laughs> wow. I, see, this is not the thing that you know about Stompin' Tom. You know, I, I, I remember him uh, just as, uh, from my brief interaction with him, he's kind of a wisecracking guy who said some things I can't say on the radio, but we're that too. <laughs> awesome and fun. Yeah. Uh, and, and uh, you know, and, and, a, and a performer. But I, I would not have guessed uh, that other stuff. That's really interesting insight. Uh, Jen, we've just got about a minute left. You're singing the songs now. Um, now you are part of the legacy, <laughs> I guess. I suppose. Yeah? Yes. I'm working my way in. Yeah. Anyway, I'm doing my best. Yes. Well, Whiskey Jack... Their tribute to Stompin' Tom Connors, you can uh, buy it on CD or however it is that you buy music now, uh, as long as you legally download. We don't mind. That's it. We don't care. Uh, Whiskey Jack presents stories and songs of Stompin' Tom. Uh, you'll hear all my guests perform on this and uh, songs like Margot's Cargo. And we get to hear ah. Jen sing Margot's Cargo, <laughs> uh, the fiddle medley, uh, Peterborough, uh, Peterborough Postman, the catch-up song. It goes on and on. All that's there. Also being re-released, Dr. Stompin' Tom, a one of the classic uh, Stompin' Tom Connors uh, CDs. That's coming out October 19th at the Lula Lounge in Toronto will be the premiere of all of this stuff. You'll be able to uh, uh, hear, are you playing live that night when you play a few songs? We are, mm -hmm. yeah. Be playing live there. Uh, and then you go on tour across uh, Ontario. Check your local listings for dates near you. It has been such a pleasure to have you guys in here. Oh, Thank you so great. much. Thank Thanks you, Richard. My us. guests have been Duncan Fremlin, Bob McNiven, and Jen Cook from Whiskey Jack. Uh, check out the music and, um, you know, look back and, and, you know, listen to some Stomping Tom. It'll make <laughs> you feel good. Thank you for listening, and thanks to Andre on the board. We'll see you next week.